Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text for today is the epistle lesson appointed for the sixth Sunday in Pentecost. I read to you from the 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians, starting on the first verse, and then reading down through to the 10th verse. I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who, 14 years ago, was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in body or out of body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man I will boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though, I, uh, though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep from being too elated by the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all, more, all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong." Thus far, the text. I invite you to bow your heads with me in prayer. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, here again we gather around your word and we ask that you bless it to our hearts. Help us to receive it and to trust it in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Super apostles. That's what the Apostle Paul referred to them as in the words leading up to and following today's sermon text. Not apostles as we would consider the word. They weren't anything like Peter or James or John, who were all servants of our Lord and leaders of the church. These so-called apostles were vermin. They were proclaimers of another Jesus, of another spirit, another gospel, one that was completely contrived out of the minds of men. The only thing that was superior about them, if you could use the word at all, would have been uh, uh, their eloquence. Uh, they were silver-tongued devils speaking to the church with well-crafted words. As the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, they were leading the church astray from their sincere and pure devotion to Christ. They were boasting of their greatness, but it wasn't at all great. You know what greatness is? It's written all over today's sermon text. Greatness is keeping your experiences to yourself, even if you've stood before Jesus in heaven. Greatness is keeping quiet about seeing things inexpressible and things unknown to man, which are only in the kingdom of God. Greatness is living in the strength of God's promise while someone is maligning you and saying to you, what do you know, even trying to kill you. And that's the greatness Paul was exhibiting in its fullness. 
Paul never talked about his experiences in heaven before. He'd been taking, taken up into God's kingdom 14 years earlier. Uh, some scholars think it was shortly after his conversion on that road to Damascus. I know a man to whom this happened, Paul tells us. Not speaking at all, even in the first person, so as to not draw everyone's attention to himself, but to the one who brought him there. This was God's doing. God allowed him to see paradise. Paradise such as Jesus spoke of when he was talking to that man beside him on that other cross. Truly, I tell you, this day you will be with me in paradise. He, being a sinner and being merely human, was brought up into paradise. And there Paul heard the things spoken of which couldn't be retold. Paul would gladly boast about that man, talking in the third person, but to what end? He, it would it benefit anybody at all if the glories and the secrets of God are revealed to the dying? Or would it benefit us more if we knew God's mercy and his redemption? Paul chooses not to boast in the things that distract in order to favor the things that save. As you know, in a world that seems um, to not see Christ at all, or in a world that sees Christ as its enemy, uh, this is not a glamorous undertaking. It's a work of God accomplished by the ones he's called and appointed. Ezekiel and the prophets of the Old Testament did this work. Paul and the twelve true apostles, chosen personally by Christ, these people and many more whom God chose faced great opposition when they spoke the truth of God's law and, and the, the wonder of his gospel. And yet in that opposition, God sustained them. The apostles were in awe of God's power. They healed many people and drove out demons in Jesus' name. And of course, that was just the start. They spoke and they witnessed God's word uh, save thousands of people from death and everlasting condemnation. Thousands of people. These men were no different than any of us. They were likewise sinners redeemed of Christ. So to the Apostle Paul, who in his own opinion was a chief of sinners, a persecutor of the church. But for this very reason, Paul says in 1 Timothy 1, uh, verses 1 uh, through 6, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus, might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. If Christ could save him, Christ can save us. If Christ could use him, Christ can use us too. In a world of so-called super apostles who proclaim another Jesus, another spirit, and another gospel, each one of us are actually a testimony of the truth. Here we stand, condemned sinners under the law. Here we stand, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, our Lord. Weak in the flesh, though we are, we're made powerful in the sufficiency of Christ. We therefore likewise can boast. Not that anyone should boast of our, and not that any one of us should boast of our shamefulness. Our sins need to be confessed rather than trumpeted. They need to be brought to the foot of the cross and repented over instead of being celebrated and paraded about with a million or so of our so-called friends cheering us on. 
think of the publican in this case, the tax collector that Jesus spoke of in Luke 18. But the tax collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. That man did not boast. He hung his head in shame. But of him, Jesus said, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other, the Pharisee in Christ's parable who gloated over his supposed goodness. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. We all have thorns in our flesh. We all suffer greatly because of our sinful natures, and, and we implore Christ to remove them, that they're not a hindrance to us and a stumbling block to those around us. But Christ who sees us struggle, quietens us and humbles us and blesses us by bringing us through this contrition to his salvation. He tells us, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Where then is our boasting? It's in Christ who redeemed us from our sins. By his power, we're set free. By his power, we're raised from death to life. We don't know what Paul's weakness was. We don't know what the thorn was in his flesh that was given to him by God that humbled him and made him stop and listen to God and rely upon the sufficiency of God's grace. But we can certainly come alongside of his boasting and nod our heads in hearty agreement when he says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for when I am weak, I am strong. Our boasting, too, is in Christ, who overcame our sins by his blood and who gave us our lives in his resurrection. The key verse for this week is one that we should all commit to memory and constantly have on the tips of our tongue. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. We don't need anything else beyond the sufficiency of Christ, and so too the rest of the world. And that's why these words should always be on our lips. First, to remind us of our strength, and then to remind people whom we love and whom we know and who we meet about the strength that is available to them in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Being a Christian isn't all about being some sort of super apostle. You don't have to boast in anything or be puffed up in any way so that you look like this perfect life lived. Being a Christian is living out your imperfect life washed in the blood of your Lord. Being a Christian is knowing that God's grace is sufficient and confessing nothing else is needed. This grace surpasses everything else that we know, and it is our boast in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your sufficient grace, a grace that was meted out for us upon the cross and uh, a grace that gives us life eternal because of your loving kindness. We ask that you help us and that you bless us in the remembrance of that grace always and not to live a life that's puffed up or uh, that's a lie before all of humanity, but a, a life that is dependent upon you, that is visible to all of humanity, that they look and say your grace is sufficient for them too. 
Bless us, dear God, as we go through the week and bring us together to worship you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, your Lord. Amen.